What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. I can be found over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the offseason here. I know a lot of podcasts and shows have stopped. People have stopped producing content. We are still going to keep going throughout the offseason here, bringing on more writers. Every day it seems like we're bringing on more baseball people. So if you are interested in being one of the people producing content, podcasts, articles, Twitter stuff, Discord, whatever it is, uh, please do send me a message, specifically at Joe Orico if you're trying to get involved in the fantasy game here at Sports Ethos. But we are going to continue today. What we left off last week, I was thinking we'd get through more, but you guys know if you listen regularly here how I tend to ramble and go on little tangents. So we ended up getting through the top 15 of the rankings. I guess, you know, a lot of people play in 15-team leagues, so that would be your first round, I guess. Uh, not much of a difference, really, in 12-teamers. A slight difference, obviously, but nothing, nothing too crazy. We're going to pick up with those rankings today. We're going to talk a little bit about the World Series. We have a World Series matchup. And the last thing I'm going to do, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to order this here, but I want to talk about some of the ADP data that we have from the NFBC. There are some drafts that have taken place already. And this morning on their Twitter account, they posted out some of their ADP data. So I do want to talk about that a little bit. I think we'll start off here just briefly talking about this World Series matchup, the Phillies and the Astros. I think you would have made probably a decent amount of money, probably a, a very decent amount of money, betting on the Phillies to go this far. No one really expected it. I personally didn't expect it. And it stings me because I saw a couple people mention on Twitter that this Phillies team is like the NL version of the Blue Jays, where there's a couple of elite starters, a really solid lineup, a bit of an iffy bullpen, blah, blah, blah. They're very, very similarly constructed teams, and then you have the Phillies in the World Series here. I saw one or two people say it's because it was easier path for them, which is just not true. The Jays had not – it wasn't terrible. It's not like the Jays had to go through Houston or anything. They just didn't deliver. Uh, congrats to the Phillies, though. Like, that is that is an incredible achievement in the National League where there were three teams that had 100 wins, especially coming out of that division, an 87-win team going to the World Series. I did not expect it whatsoever. Now, I think it's probably not going to be a terribly close series. I, the Astros are just so good. And baseball is crazy. The Phillies could sweep the Astros. We have no idea, but I think at this point – you kind of have to look at the Astros' strength in their rotation, specifically. Like, Jose Arquiti has not thrown at all, I don't believe. I don't think he's even pitched at all in the playoffs. And he's a guy who has World Series victories under his belt. That's the depth that they have in that, uh, in that pitching rotation. And then the lineup, don't even get me started. Uh, you know, they are just so, so stacked. So I don't really have much hope here for the Phillies. Astros as well with home field advantage. I'm, I'm not thinking it's going to be so great for them. But we'll have to just see here. We have a week until these games start. Uh, Friday, October 28th, this Friday, is when they get underway. I'm going to try and get the wagering guys on from Sports Ethos this week at some point, talk about some of the maybe uh, World Series MVP kind of bets, if you're betting on how long the series is going to go, different things like that. We'll try and get them on this week. It's been a, it's been a bit of a battle because just schedule-wise, I'm trying to get all the baseball guys on at once. Uh, there's three of them there specifically, and trying to get four people's schedules to work at once has been kind of a nightmare. But we're gonna, I'm going to do my best to try and get them on at some point this week and talk about uh, a bit of the betting angle. If you're thinking about World Series MVP, uh, that's something I kind of want to get into with them because I, I really have a tough time with this specifically. Everybody's odds are really, really nice. Like Jordan Alvarez is the most favorite at plus 650. There's value to be had there on this board. I do want to talk to them at some point this week about that. But I do want to talk more so about these rankings 
And I do want to mix in the NFBC stuff, their ADP stuff. I think it's pretty interesting. We're pretty close uh, in terms of how, well, my rankings, I think, are fairly close to the way that these drafts have played out. Mainly, I'm noticing Bobby Witt is going higher than I have him ranked. <clears throat> Mike Trout is going a little bit higher. Um, that's mostly it. I mean, a lot of these guys, Manny Machado is going lower in these drafts than what I have him ranked. Um, and a big one, the big thing that stands out for me in these early NFBC drafts is Fernando Tatis going at 38. That's incredibly low. That is stupidly low. Like he is going below Luis Robert. That is ridiculous. I, I can't understand it. It's only six picks. 32.25 for Robert on the ADP and 38 for Tatis. If you're playing in a 12-teamer drafting right now in the NFBC, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, then you can get Tatis in the fourth round. Uh, that's ridiculous. That's not going to stay. We're going to talk about him today in these rankings. I think for the most part, their ADP is pretty okay. Uh, nothing crazy. Uh, I think it's about right. I was looking through their site, and of my top 50, 45 of them are in the top 50 of the NFBC ADP. No real massive discrepancies there. It, it's, I think I'm pretty in line with, with the general consensus here. There's a couple guys I'm higher and lower on than others probably. I'm probably a touch lower than Bryce Harper than consensus, but where I am with Bryce Harper is pretty much where he's going in these drafts at 18. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I think if you're drafting right now, it is a little bit crazy. I'm going to be doing some in a couple of weeks at first pitch, Arizona, which actually I think that's, that's next week actually. First pitch is next week. There will be some drafts going on there. I'm going to try and take advantage of getting Tatis this low if I can. But we're going to get into Tatis more so here when it's his turn. He will not be very far down this board. If you guys want to follow along, you can go check out my pinned tweet or go check him out at sportsethos.com. Probably the easiest way to go follow along here is through the pinned tweet on my Twitter. So we left off with Mookie Betts on Friday. He was number 15. We're picking it up here with Vladimir Guerrero. I have it 16 at the moment. And granted... Maybe you were a little bit disappointed in what he gave you this season. After last year, he was incredible. Uh, he had a legitimate case to be the MVP. If there was no Shohei Otani, he would have been probably a unanimous MVP. But as it turns out, Otani was the unanimous MVP. He didn't even get one first place vote. But regardless, you pick Vladimir Guerrero probably, well, definitely in the top five, maybe even first overall, first, second, third, somewhere in that range. And you got the 26th ranked player back, which is not... A disaster. It's not a nightmare by any stretch. He had 32 homers, 97 ribbies, eight stolen bases, and he batted 274. And watching as much Blue Jays as I do, I try and watch as much as I can across the league, but I am a Toronto guy. I was born in Toronto, raised in Toronto, Toronto sports fan. I, I watch more Blue Jays than I do of the other teams. Vladimir Guerrero did not really have a hot streak at any point this season. There was not a two week stretch where, you know, like Boba Shett did at the end of the year, where he was just ridiculous. We didn't really see that out of Vladdy at all this year. This was just kind of him, you know, this was a middling kind of season for Vlad. There was not one stretch. I don't think he had got any, like, American League Player of the Week awards, certainly not Player of the Month or anything like that. He was just okay for his standards. And, I mean, as a 23-year-old, if this is going to be a disappointing season for Vladdy, 32 and 97, a 274 average, I mean, we'll take that. If this is going to be his down year and maybe you want to say, the Jays played games in Dunedin and Buffalo, and they weren't, you know, major league-sized ballparks. <clears throat> They're not that much of a difference than what you'd be seeing in Toronto. Slightly smaller park, sure, but you look at that short porch in Yankee Stadium, it's like there are big league parks where there are very short fences. So I, I don't take that. I don't really put much weight into that, the whole, 
he's not quite as good as we thought because of Dunedin and whatever. No, he had kind of a down year this year, and it was still 30 and 100. So, I mean, next season, he's going to be 24 going into the season. March birthday, he'll be 24. I don't think we can really say that we've even seen the best of Vladimir Guerrero yet. Maybe a couple years ago, maybe it was. Maybe that is about the ceiling for Vlad, close to 50 homers, more than a 300 batting average, but I think he can just keep getting better and better. I don't see any reason why he should fall below this. Some people will even take him in the first round, perhaps. He's also very durable, which is something that kind of always adds to my to my view of him. He's played in 321 of the last 324 games for the Jays. He's going to be on the field. He's He doesn't like to sit. I think he sat two games this year and one last year. And I remember specifically the game last year where they sat him down. They had to, like, tape him in the dugout and, you know, make sure he wasn't fooling around because he's just – he needs to be active. He needs to be on the field, and he's going to be on the field every single game, assuming he's healthy. So I am not worried at all with Vladimir Guerrero. Getting him in the second round this year is going to be really nice. Maybe he pushes up to the end of the first round or maybe the 15-teamer he goes in the first round. But if you're talking your standard, like, 12-teamer, I think you probably can pair him with, like, a Mookie Betts or maybe even you pair him with Bo and you go for, like, a Blue Jays kind of stack there at the end of the first round. Not the craziest idea. Maybe you pair him with Jordan Alvarez and you go for two guys who have pretty similar skill sets there fantasy-wise. I know they're they're compared pretty regularly. Maybe you go with both of them because Jordan Alvarez right now and the NFBC is going at 11.5. That's his ADP, Guerrero at 15. So you could potentially, if you're doing a draft right now, pick up one of them at the end of the first, one of them beginning of the second, and then you really lean into that power uh, – RBI average kind of build there. But Vladimir Guerrero, for me, is one of the safer picks next season. And you're going to be getting him quite a bit lower than maybe you should be. So I'm, I'm very much in on him. The next guy I have ranked, personally, one below Vlad is Jordan Alvarez. This is where I differentiate a little bit from the drafters on the NFBC. They have him at 11.5. I think he's incredible. It can't really be overstated how great he is. And if you remember, he had an, an atrocious August. He had one home run and batted 234. And he still finished the season. Uh, let me just pull him up here. He finished the season with a 306 average, 37 homers, and 97 RBIs. He didn't even touch 500 at bats, and that, that was what he did in 470. I think that he is incredible. The only reason I have him a touch below Vlad is the stolen bases. I think that from a fantasy perspective, what they do is really similar. I think they can both do pretty much exactly the same thing, except Vlad, he's going to steal you some more bases. That's that's the only real difference here. I think they're both incredibly safe picks. Maybe I'm a little bit lower than Jordan, than most, than some perhaps, looking at these drafts. I just don't see him really right now as as going 11th or 12th. I would be a little bit nervous there. I don't think it's going to blow up in your face or anything. I think he's still an elite bat. I think he's incredible. But I think there's probably some safer picks that we mentioned above here. Uh, pretty much everybody that we have listed above, like, uh, pretty much everybody here except for Juan Soto, is somebody who's going to steal bases for you. When, once we get to Alvarez here, he's the first guy who's going to be like a zero in terms of steals. Maybe he gets you one. He had one this year, one last year. Maybe he gets you one, maybe two. But that's the main discrepancy there for me with him and versus um, when you're comparing him with Vlad Guerrero. But I think 17 is probably about right where we will see him slot in. Maybe he hits 50 home runs. It's totally possible. But as of right now, uh, middle of the second round feels pretty safe for Jordan Alvarez. Let's talk about another pitcher here. He is the fourth pitcher that I have listed. It's Garrett Cole. He's number 18 for me. And this is because he is still one of the guys who can give you 200 innings and 250 strikeouts every year. 
But the last couple of seasons, he's really let you down down the stretch. And if you're in a head-to-head league, maybe you've rostered Garrett Cole the last two seasons, it's unlikely you actually came away with anything because down the stretch he was your SP1 and he didn't perform like it. I still think he is incredible. Garrett Cole is still one of the more safe options you can draft in terms of starting pitchers. But I don't think he's a first-round pick anymore. Uh, I think that that time has passed for him. It's just not... I think there are safer guys. I think there are guys like Burns. Uh, I think even McClanahan, I think I would take McClanahan over Cole. There's a little bit more risk involved, but I think the ceiling is a lot higher for McClanahan. The Yankees are going to be a little bit of a mess, I think, especially seeing what just happened. They got swept by Houston. Maybe Judge doesn't come back. Maybe he does. Maybe this team looks a lot different next year than what they do. Tampa, I think, is probably going to be about the same, and I'd feel safer going with a McClanahan type. Now, that's still that's not like to bash on Cole, He's still going to be a someone who is like a 3.5 kind of ERA, 200 innings, 250 Ks. That's really valuable, and he's still great. But I don't think that we're going to see him go in the first round. I don't think we should anyway. And let me just take a look at these uh, this ADP on the NFBC. Oh, he's going at 17. So I'm pretty much in line with, with him on, on that. I've seen some people talking about him as SP1 or 2 or 3 for next season. I won't be one of them. If people are taking Cole in the first round, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't fall into that trap. At 19 here, I have Bobby Witt Jr., and this is where I'm a, I'm a little bit lower than, than the NFBC drafters. He's at 10.5. I don't see him being a first-round type of player exactly. I think he's incredible. He's a really solid, really solid player. And he was overlooked, I think, this season, partially because there were so many great rookies. Rutschman, once he came up, he got a lot of attention. Julio had a lot of attention all year. And then Stephen Kwan even kind of overtook him in terms of the Rookie of the Year talk and, and everything else. Even though, from a fantasy point of view, that was probably crazy. But in terms of a real baseball perspective, I think a lot of people undervalued what Bobby Witt did this year. But he had 80, 20, 80, and 30 with a 254 batting average. 80 runs, 20 homers, 80 RBIs, 30 steals. That's incredible as a rookie. We've talked a lot about Kansas City on this show. I expect them to just keep getting better and better. I'm a big fan of Pasquantino. I think if Sal Perez can stay healthy for a whole year, which is which is a big if. Uh, Nick Prado, uh, MJ Melendez. I like a lot of the pieces there. Maybe they bring in another piece or two. I don't think they're going to be competing for much, but I think everybody will get a touch better next season. I think Bobby Witt fits in for me somewhere in the middle of the second round. Middle to end of the second round. I think you kind of lose the value on him when you start to take him this high up. Because this season he finished in the 40s, I think, on Yahoo, uh, 46. He, he'll take a jump. I think he will take a jump. But if you take him in the first round, you're, you're drafting him at his ceiling. That's about as good as you're going to get out of him is probably the 10th-ish best fantasy player. I, I think there are some safer options going in that range. And if you just – I'm, I'm going to go back here. I mean, I'm going to go back and forth a little bit with this NFBC stuff just to compare. But I don't see any reason why Mookie Betts should be going behind him or Bo Bichette, uh, even Freeman, Guerrero, I think maybe is borderline, but Manny Machado? Why would Manny Machado be going so far behind Bobby Witt? I don't understand that. It's like a seven-pick difference. I'd much rather have Machado personally. Maybe not much rather, but I, I would rather have Machado. I think that that's a safer play. There's still so much room for interpretation. This time of year, a lot of things will change. But I think I'm going to be a touch lower than Bobby Witt than some people. Uh, he's going to push into the first round in some drafts, but I think that that's... Uh, I think that that's asking for trouble. Second round, late middle, late second round, I think is going to be that sweet spot for him. So we have him here at 19. At number 20, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. And when this was written, this was when I thought the Padres were going to defeat the Phillies when I wrote this. They didn't. Uh, it's unfortunate. But Fernando Tatis, still, they did, they did wonders in terms of shortening his suspension for next year. So Padres fans should see this season as a success, especially in terms of just that. 
Uh, he should be back April 20th. He's going to miss, uh, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. He's going to miss like 15 games, something like that. Uh, oh, sorry, 20 games. He's going to miss 20 games. That's not a big deal for me with Fernando Tatis Jr. When you see how much people sit throughout the regular season, guys will only play 130, 140, 150 games. He misses that time. He is, first of all, he's going to be needing to prove himself next season after all the stuff that's gone on with, you know, how stupid he is off the field. Because he, he, he is an idiot off the field. I think that's, that's not – can really be debated at this point. He's still a kid. Stupid motorcycle accident crap where I think the Padres could have technically voided his contract if they wanted to. Not that they would have done that, but the dude's a bit of a bonehead. Plus, he got the PED stuff. I think he's going to go out there and really want to prove himself next season. And he's going to be in a lineup that's going to feature a whole year of Soto, a whole year of Machado, and a whole year of himself. I think that he is going to be one of the most undervalued players. I mean, especially if, we, if he keeps up right now the way he's being drafted in the fourth round at 38. I mentioned it at the top here, but Luis Robert, why is he going after Luis Robert? Why is he going after Paul Goldschmidt? Michael Harris is going at 27. I love Michael Harris, but that's a little bit crazy for me. Like, I, I don't think that these guys necessarily should be drafted ahead of Tatis. Now, if the Padres had bowed out early and maybe they'd miss, you know, maybe he's missing 35 games or something like that, you'd look at it a little bit differently. But missing 20 games, he'll be back in April, like middle, late April. I think April 20th is the day where he's scheduled to be back. I, I am not I am not going to be passing up on Tatis if he's getting into the third, fourth round here. I have him at 20. I think I'll move him up even higher as we get closer to the season here. He could be someone, he will be somebody who on a per-game basis is a first-round player. He'll be all healed up, but never had more to prove. I think that we're going to see a huge, huge year from him. Talked about it last week. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is my pick right now for NL MVP next season. But I would not at all be surprised if Fernando Tatis really pushes up into that same grouping. Next up here at 21, I got Bryce Harper. Uh, I've seen what he's been doing in the postseason. He's been incredible. I wouldn't adjust rankings of anybody based on a postseason performance because that's just not the way it works. Trent Grisham was hitting bombs earlier in the postseason. He's not going to move because of that. Bryce Harper is obviously a much better player, but the same principles apply. The playoffs, six-month layoff, and then picking up next season again, there's no correlation for me, none whatsoever. So that doesn't change how I view him. I'm a little bit worried about the elbow about how much he's going to be on the field. I believe he played eight times in the field this season. That's a bit of a concern. He'll start off just having DH eligibility, I believe, in the NFBC. And maybe if there's injury worries with him, he just stays a DH, which he's still going to have a lot of value, and I don't think it'll affect him over on Yahoo because Yahoo, you just need five appearances. But I'm not going to be thrilled about taking him, especially if it's going to be in the first-round territory. If he does push up, let's say he wins World Series MVP, I'm sure some people will draft him a little bit higher because of that. Let's say he moves up to 13, 12. Let's say he goes in the first round. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be big on him in that particular spot. I'm a little bit worried about how much we're going to see him on the field. If he plays a whole season, if he plays 150 some odd games and he should have a first round value for sure, but I'm baking in my skepticism of his health into this price a little bit. I think 21 generally 20ish. I think that's going to be about right for him. Let's move on to 22 here with Francisco Lindor. And I wrote, put in the, in the write-up here, I hope you guys enjoyed the discount last year because it's, it's gone. It's not going to happen again. I think 22 is roughly where we're going to see him go, middle, late, second round, depending on how big your league is. His first season in New York was, was awful. But, I, I mean, even when I say it was awful, 
for for his standards, it was awful. But if you're talking about most players, uh, you're not really looking at anything that was that worrisome, especially playing in New York. I mean, he had 20 home runs, 63 RBIs, 10 steals. He still had fantasy value, but he fell from a first-round pick to a fifth-round pick in one year. I expect him to bounce back up here into the second, and I'm actually curious where he's going in these NFBC drafts. 33, I think that's a little bit low. If you can get him at 33 in the third round there, that's that would be golden for me. He returned first-round value this season. Nothing really would suggest that anything's going to change for them offensively there. If anything, I think they're going to add in another piece or two. I think Cohen is going to buy himself a World Series at some point. Not that you can directly do that, but I think he's going to spend a shit ton of money whether it be trying to get Aaron Judge, that would be a crazy story if he signed Aaron Judge. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he'll do some crazy shit this offseason and try and make that lineup even better. And even the way it was this season, Lindor was incredible. 26 homers, 107 ribbies, 16 steals, 98 runs. Uh, he, he had a great season. His average jumped back up. Last year it was 230, this year 270. So maybe he gets closer back to that 300-ish kind of range where he was in Cleveland, 280, 285, uh, even if he stays right where he is here. I don't think he should be falling into the 30s. I think 22 makes a lot of sense for me. Let's talk about Sandy Alcantara. He is likely going to be your Cy Young winner in the National League. I don't think that that one is too much in debate. Uh, maybe uh, maybe somebody else can sneak in. I don't think so. Uh, maybe you see people vote for Julio Urias. Maybe there's some votes for Max Fried or Zach Gallen. I, I don't think anybody's really going to be able to take it away from him. Carlos Rodon might get some votes as well, but I think it's it's likely going to be Alcantara's to lose. The concern that I have and that a lot of people have here is that his value is pretty much, not, not strictly, but largely volume-based. Uh, if he's pitching what he does, which is 200-plus here every single year, you're going to have arm troubles eventually, especially this day and age where it's not really done so much. Alcantara throwing 200, 220 innings every year, it's not good. Pitching for the Marlins where... Wins are going to be very tricky to forecast. I mean, not that that would necessarily stop you, but if it's between a guy like Alcantara or somebody on a good team, you'd probably lean towards the guy on the good team. The Marlins are very hard to, to gauge how many wins you're going to get out of anybody. Uh, they suck. The Marlins absolutely suck. So with, with, um, with Sandy Alcantara, maybe he wins 10 games, maybe he wins 8 games. We saw it with Trevor Rogers last year. I think he won 7 games despite being – he wasn't the rookie of the year, but he was like the rookie pitcher of the year. He was incredible, uh, sub three ERA in the works, and still like he won seven games. So wins are kind of volatile there in Miami. I think that he is still pretty safe, but he's more volume based as opposed to a per game kind of guy like Jacob Degrom. Even if Degrom pitches half the innings, Alcantara pitches, I think Degrom would have more value, which is why I've got him ranked so far above. The strikeouts are just so elite. Where Alcantara, it's the strikeouts are pretty good, but they're not elites. They're not going to blow you away necessarily about a strikeout per inning kind of thing. I like him, but I think that there is some risk associated here, and I think we're going to be chasing next season, or we're going to be chasing what he did this season when it's time to draft next year, and I'd be a little skeptical that he can still give you that same kind of thing year in and year out. Maybe it's not next year. Maybe I'm a, a year early in my worries, but he'll fizzle out sooner than he should if he's um, – if he's just not given a leash, if he's throwing 200 plus innings every single season and beyond that, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit worried right now. I, I have him at 23. I think that that's fairly reasonable. If you're going to get him somewhere mid late second, depending on how big your league is, I think that that's probably fair, but I wouldn't reach and jump up real high for him. I'm kind of curious actually on these NFBC drafts where he is going 23. He's going exactly where I have him. So 
that makes me feel pretty good. He's going right there. I think that that's probably about right. Next up, we have Pete Alonso at number 24. He hit 40 home runs and drove in 131. That's crazy. Now, I think he can hit 40 home runs again for sure. No problem. Driving in 131 might be a little bit hard to do, but he did bat a career-high 271. So, I mean, I don't think there's too much that needs to be said here, really. Kind of similar arguments to Lindor. I think that they're just going to improve that lineup. And I think that he should be a pretty solid pick here at the end of round two. 24, maybe he moves up a little bit. The NFBC one, he's going at 20, so maybe he goes a little bit higher. But I, I wouldn't expect this to change too, too much. I think that he's going to be a pretty pretty solid consensus second round, end of the second round kind of pick next year. We're going to do one more player today. We're going to keep this one to 10 players. Julio Urias. He is our last guy, number 25. He has been absolutely ridiculous for these last couple of seasons. He's combined in two seasons. 37 wins, a 257 ERA, and he's striking out exactly a batter per inning. He's playing for the Dodgers, which that certainly helps, but in his own right, he has been incredible. I know some people heading into this year were fading him a little bit because I'm not even really sure why. They didn't think he could do it again. They thought last year was kind of a blip on the radar or whatever you want to call it. They didn't think he'd do it again, but he did it again and then some this year. I mean, he didn't have the same number of wins, but, I mean, he was just as good for a better team, and I would expect the Dodgers to just stay in that same kind of range, 100-plus wins. Maybe Trey Turner leaves. That's the big thing there. If Trey Turner leaves, maybe you're not going to be quite as happy uh, drafting these guys, offense or defense, for the, for, uh, for the Dodgers, whether it's pitchers, whether it's position players. But a guy like Urias, it's hard not to have faith in. A 216 ERA, that doesn't really get affected by the team around you. I mean, that's pretty much him. Maybe the defense, you could talk about the defense or whatever. But a 217 ERA, or 216 ERA, 17 wins. Last year, a 296 ERA, 20 wins. The strikeouts are solid. The whip is great. No problem for me in drafting Urias here. End of round two, beginning of round three. Again, it depends if you're in a 10 or a 12 or a 15 teamer. That's why I tend to use numbers more so than rounds because there's so many different league sizes. Maybe you're in it, you know, there's random custom leagues too. Maybe you're in a 12 or not a 12. Like, I don't know. I've seen some crazy shit. 15, 16, 18, 22 team leagues. Like there's some weird questions I've gotten. So there's, there's going to be some weird kind of discrepancies if you're talking round. But I think in terms of a number, Julio Urias is a pretty solid name here to round out the top 25. I do want to leave it there because we've talked about this. It's not high tide for baseball season right now. I'm trying to keep them around half an hour shows. I don't want to bore you guys. Go on and on and on here. And we have a hell of a lot of time. We're in no rush. We're going to go through these. Maybe we'll take another, probably another two days. At first, I thought we'd maybe do this over three days, these rankings, but I'm in no rush. I don't think you guys are in any rush. You guys can see these rankings on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. And, of course, if you want to go right to the source, you can go to SportsEthos.com and go find my page or our baseball page. You'll find them there. But I don't think we need to rush through these, you know, quick hits on 50 guys and then move on to the next day. It's like we're, we have a long time without baseball. We'll go through these slowly. We'll take our time with dissecting these players. And for those of you who are worried throughout this offseason or you've been maybe watching and worried so far that I'm not using a lot of advanced figures, that's because we're still at our wind-down kind of phase. I'm not going to be throwing a bunch of fielding independent pitching numbers and strikeout percentages and all this stuff at you right now. We're still kind of just, you know, digesting the season as a whole. I pulled together these rankings partially because I want to help you guys a little bit just to see what I'm thinking 
and I don't want you to use just these. I want you to use everybody's rankings. I don't think anybody should be reliant upon one set of rankings. I think you should look at the general consensus about what everybody is saying and then make your decisions. This is not a be-all, end-all list by any stretch of the imagination. It's a first look. It will be updated. It will be changed. And, I mean, I don't think it will be changed too, too much, but we have six months of free agent signings, injuries, trades, different managers coming in, different different kinds of crap. So there's there's a lot of things that could change. I just wanted to put these down just to kind of put something out there and just so I have something to look back on and say, this is what I was thinking in October, and then this is what I was thinking in January, blah, blah, blah. I also love making lists, so this is kind of a fun exercise for me. Uh, I'm going to continue to do it throughout the offseason. So make sure you're following at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go hit up that account. Getting a lot of followers on my account these last couple of days. I really appreciate that. I think that's because I'm switching into some basketball content now, and there's basketball is in high tide. So those people are following me. If you guys are listening to the show, welcome. Please do subscribe, download, rate, review, do all, all that stuff. I, I really appreciate that. And also come check out the show we're doing later on today, which is a live lineup show, uh, NBA lineup, weekly lineup show. It's for Ethos subs. You can find it. It'll be on Twitter. It'll be on sportsethos.com in the Fantasy Pass, and it'll be out just for our premium subscribers on YouTube. So if you are somebody who is subscribed to Ethos, you got any one of our packages, I believe any of our packages, uh, you should be able to get in there and check it out. 5 p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be talking weekly lineup questions. But we're going to continue with these shows every single day of the offseason. I'm going to be straddling both sports, still focusing mainly on baseball here. I am the baseball lead at Sports Ethos. We're going to be focusing on that, but we're also going to be mixing in some basketball stuff. I apologize if you guys... Follow me on Twitter and you're just there for baseball stuff. There's been some basketball notes going out as well. Uh, please don't unfollow. Just maybe ignore them for a little while. We're going to be hitting you with a lot of baseball stuff throughout this offseason as well. But guys, I'm going to leave it there. We'll pick up tomorrow. The next guy on this list is Zach Wheeler. I'll give you the next five. Zach Wheeler, Paul Goldschmidt, Dylan Cease, Edwin Diaz, and Emmanuel Classe. They will be our next five that we'll talk about tomorrow. And then we'll just keep going on until we hit 50. Take care, everybody. Cheers. And enjoy the week. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.